like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us for the first time, we are so thankful that you're here worshiping with us. Amen. Amen. I know today, again, I've said this and I keep repeating it, but I know today's holiday weekend, but we do have small group today, so make sure that you go to a small group, be a part of a small group this afternoon. A lot of awesome things going on in our small groups. I'm encouraging to be a part of that. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. A couple of quick notes, if you would. Just give me 30 seconds of your time. Wednesday, this Wednesday, September the 5th, is our first small group fellowship. It's, we're doing this now on the first Wednesday of the month. Instead of coming together like we've been doing, uh, our small groups are going to be having fellowships. Some small groups are going to be getting together uh, more than just one small group. That starts this month, and that first one is this Wednesday. So make sure you pay attention for your small, to your small group leader today to know the when and the where and the how. You and your group are going to celebrate this kickoff of our new Wednesday format where we have one on the first Wednesday of the month we have a small group fellowship. That begins this week. So make sure you coordinate with your small group leader to know the when and the where and the how. Praise God. Also, uh, September the 16th, Sunday, September the 16th, is going to be our launch Sunday for phase two of what we're doing. We had a launch Sunday back in January. That was the launching of small groups. But this is going to be phase two. And uh, we're going to do that starting at 945. So if you don't usually come at 945 for our discipleship hour, I'm encouraging you to do whatever you can to be there September the 16th for that, for that particular discipleship because that is going to be a uh, big Sunday for us. We're going to be launching some uh, very important things that you're going to want to be a part of that are going to help you grow, that are going to help you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and are going to help us reach others for Jesus. So you want to make sure if you're able to be there, you can watch online if you choose to do so. But if you're able, September the 16th, you're going to want to be here at 945 for that discipleship hour, because it's not going to be a normal one. It's going to be talking about some phase two stuff of the vision, and you're going to want to participate in that and see that. It's going to be an awesome time uh, in the fall as we just sort of continue to roll out some more things that we're going to be doing that are going to benefit you, and uh, we're going to see some awesome things happen. So uh, this Wednesday, small group kickoff, and then the 16th on Sunday, is a launch Sunday for phase two of the vision. Praise God. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, and I, I promise, I, and I say this not to rush through this, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to be swift today, uh, understanding that it is a holiday weekend, and, and we're going to have a lot of stuff going on in September, so I'm going to leave a little, little paste in the tube of the toothpaste today so we can squeeze some out of you in September. So remember today, if I, then I'll probably preach for two hours now. I've just totally jinked myself. Real quick, I did forget to mention, we do have to bring the tables in today. School starts Tuesday, so uh, we're back to rolling in the tables. So if you're able to help us, we would love to have your help. You can pick up a chair. 
We have to break down and roll the tables back in. We have some wonderful people that will direct you and how you can help. Matthew 13, verse 24 says this, And another parable went forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, say slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain sprouted and produced a crop, then tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then do we have tares? He said, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Excuse me, the servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Now I want you to look at this next phrase, verse 30. Let both grow together. I want you to read that part with me together. I want you to hear yourself say this. Let both grow together. Let's do that one more time. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. To skip down to verse 36, and Jesus sent the multitude away and went to the house. And his disciples came to saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about this. Where did these tares come from? Where did these tares come from? Last week, if you weren't here, last week we talked about the, uh, the parable in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 gives us a parable that talked about the seed. And I talked about last week uh, that sometimes you feel like a seed and what that means. You feel like a seed. And, and if you know a little bit, and I'm not trying to get deep into this today, but just to make a point, theologically, Mark is the first gospel to be written. I know your Bible says Matthew is number one, but that was the order in which it was put in your Bible. Mark was the first one written. And theologically, uh, scholars believe that when Matthew wrote his gospel, he actually had a copy of Mark's gospel next to him. And he used that sort of as a reference in some of the areas. Because we notice that in Matthew's gospel, he tells pretty much the same Stuff that Mark tells us, but Matthew kind of gives us the bigger version. And so Mark 4 gives us this parable about sowing, but when Matthew gives us his parable, he explains it a little bigger. And we find that he talks about the tares and the wheat, and I want to ask you today, where did the tares come from? I am a student of history. I love history. I enjoy history. I've read and watched a lot of stuff on history there was a book, I was, believe it was written in 1988, if I remember correctly. I, I don't, I've actually never read the book. I came across the book and sort of read some stuff about the book, but never bothered to read the book. But it was the title that caught my eye when I saw the book. And the title was this, Why Did the Heavens Not Darken? Why did the heavens not darken? I thought that was quite a unique title. So I looked and started researching what the book was about. Come to find out, the book was about the Holocaust, the final solution of World War II, where Hitler and the German uh, German machines sort of uh, eliminate, tried to eliminate the, the Jewish people in the Holocaust. And the, the question was posed in the title... Why did the heavens not darken? And so I was looking and just reading about this book, and I came across an article that was written in the New York Times about the book. 
And this is what the article said. Now, the author of the book was not trying to write a religious book. It wasn't a book. He, I don't even know if he was a believer. I don't, I don't know. I don't even think it was a... It, it, the book has nothing to do with religion. That's not what the book was written about. The book was just simply trying to come to grips of the why behind this horrific phase of history. And this is what the article says. Given the enormity of the crimes perpetrated by the Nazi by Nazi Germany during World War II, the title of Arnie Mayer's new book raises the question that many people will have asked themselves as they remember and try to comprehend the Holocaust. Holocaust. Our task would be less difficult and agonizing if the heavens had actually darkened. But since they did not, we must search for answers elsewhere. Now, it would be interesting if this was a religious book, but it wasn't a religious book. And it wasn't written by someone who professed to be a religious man. But it's very interesting that God is indicted in the very title. The very title suggests, why did the heavens not darken? Which is the same way of saying, why didn't God do something about this? Why wouldn't God do something about this? Why didn't God stop something? Truly amazing that even people who do not themselves profess to be Christians have built into them some kind of sense of justice that God surely should have done something. So why did the heavens not darken? Why didn't the heavens darken? Why was this event portrayed and it didn't seem like God even knew what was going on? Why didn't God, if He didn't stop it, fine, don't come down and stop it, but at least darken the heavens and show that you're not pleased with this horrific thing that's happening to these people. Okay, maybe it was too much to expect God to do that but at least darken the clouds. So it really questions us to say sort of what the disciples asked that day in the story or what the the servants asked the the master of the field that day. Where did the tares come from? Notice this. I want you to... Now, now in my Bible here, if you go... uh, I'm going to... I'll show you the... There's a... the online, there's an online Bible. You can't see it, maybe from there, maybe if I zoom in. Sometimes big iPads can come in handy. Notice that if you can see it from way back there, that sometimes before a passage of scripture, they'll put like a heading. Maybe you do that in your Bible. There's like a heading. Notice this, it's kind of interesting if you look at this, look at this passage of scripture. The heading before verse 24 says this, the parable of the wheat and the tares. But the heading above verse 36 is the parable of the tares explained. Now that doesn't seem to jump out at you first, but then you think about that. That's very much like we are. Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the tares, but when the disciples asked the explanation, they didn't ask about the wheat. They asked about the tares. No one ever says, boy, my life's going good. Why is God having so much good in me? Because we just expect good to be there. But when bad goes on our life, why would God let bad happen in my life? When good's happen and we don't question, God, why are you letting my life go so good? What's up with this? I mean, I get up every day, my life is great. I'm happy, I have peace, I have joy. How dare you, God, make my life so good? We don't think that way. 
but let anything bad happen? God, where did all these tears come from? God, how could you let all this bad stuff? Nobody asked ever, nobody has ever come up to me of all my years of pastoring, all my years of counseling, all my years of talking to people from all backgrounds. No one's ever said to me, uh, preacher, why is there so much good in the world? But I can't tell you how many times ask me, well, if God's such a God of love, then why is there so much bad things happening in the world? You know, if God's such a God of love, how come you hear, you turn on the news, you hear this horrific event or that horrific event? Where was God on 9-11? Why wouldn't God at least stop all that from happening? Where was God? You know, where was God? But what about all the stuff that was prevented? We never know about it. We never say that. But in our own life, that's the question. God, where have all the tears come from? Oh, there, was a, there was several years ago, I heard a preacher tell a story. He was this lady who, who's, who's, uh, uh, there was a, 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 a tragic event that took place in, in the, in the, uh, in the, the uh, um, town that he was in. And uh, uh, there was a boy that was killed in a hor- horrible accident, car accident. He was killed, tragically killed. And so the family wasn't, didn't go to church, didn't attend church. And so they went to the funeral home and the funeral home had suggested, oh, well, we know a church and uh, the, the pastor there, he's willing to do funerals for, uh, he'll willing to do funerals even though you don't attend there. And so they called this, this man and he came down and he, he met with the family and, you know, just said, you know, well, I'm happy to do the funeral. I'm happy to do this and whatever you need from me. I'm willing to do whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to serve. And, and, and so he said, you know what, before we begin, uh, let's pray. And so he bowed the head to pray, and, then, and, and all of a sudden the mother of the boy says, no, stop! She said, nobody's going to talk to God in my presence after God has done this to my boy. He said, you know what's funny? I bet you that's the first time that woman's thought of God in a while. Notice it's hilarious. Oftentimes do you go and pray and say, God, my life is going so good. I just wanted to pray and say, God, just keep it coming. This is awesome. When life is good, what do we do? We don't pray. We don't. You know, life is good. I don't even come. I don't even need to come to church. Life is too good. But let something happen in our life. Even they said there's no atheists in foxholes. You let bad things happen and all of a sudden we're God. Why are you letting all this stuff happen in my life? Don't feel so bad. The disciples had the same issue. Because he told them about the wheat and the tares. And their explanation is tell us about the tares. What's up with the tares? You know what? They weren't interested about the wheat. They wanted to know about the tares. Here's the thing. If I was an atheist today, it wouldn't be a problem at all to say, you know what? That's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way life is. Or how about this when you say this? Welcome to the real world. There's no justice. There's no God. You know, some people are lucky. Some people are not. You know what? You could go on and wouldn't have a problem at all about it. 
But the moment you believe in God, the moment you put your faith in a good, righteous, holy, sovereign God, you've got a problem. Because you know what? Faith and believing can be a burden. Because you know what? If I'm an atheist, I don't have to explain why there's tares in the field. But as a believer, somehow I feel compelled to try to answer the question, where did the tares come from? An atheist says, that's just life. It's where the cookie crumbles. That just happens. You know what? They got lucky. They got the break. You didn't. But because a believer, we have this sort of burden we've got to explain. Brother Mallory, where did the tares come from? Where do the tares come from? Look what he said. He said, where do the tares come from? He said, Lord. The servant said, Lord, didn't you grow good seed in your field? He said, yes. He said, well, then where do the tares come from? Have you ever asked that question to yourself? Has anyone ever asked that question in your own mind, in your own heart? God, where has the tares come from? Where did the tares come from? Where did the tares come from? You have somebody get up and they talk about, you know, my life's been great. I had wonderful family and wonderful support and it was awesome and I was loved and look at all the great things God has done in my life. And then right next to them, someone gets up and said, I came from a broken home. I came from a broken life. I've got no money. I'm lost, but I'm so thankful. And you look at that and go, why is that even fair? That's not fair. That person has everything and that person has nothing. Where did the tares come from? Or maybe you're sitting here today and you're a parent and you did everything you could. You did everything you tried to do. You, you, you lived it for the best you could. You, 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 you weren't perfect, but you tried. And you look at your kid's life and you go, where did the tares come from? Where did the tares come from? So we ask this question. God, I've sown nothing but good seed. Uh, maybe let's go a little farther. You know what? We pay tithes, right? We, we give to the kingdom. We, we're, we're faithful. And all of a sudden, we've got this financial situation. And it's like, wait a minute, God. I've sowed good seed. But where did the tares come from? Where did the tares come from? Where did the tares happen? come from you could go many different directions with this today and there's many different ways you can go with this parable and I'm not saying this is the only way to look at it but I want to focus on three particular things in the next few minutes on what this is there's three particular phrases I want you to look at in the next few minutes number one is an enemy has done this number two let them grow together and the final one is until harvest. So we're going to look at these three expressions to figure out the question, where did the tares come from? Because these three statements kind of give us insight into where the tares come from. And not only in the parable, but you know what? By the time we get done, you're going to realize you've got some tares in your life. The first statement says, an enemy has done this. Look at what Jesus said. He said, an enemy has done this. That's what was the response. So the first thing is the enemy. The first thing you've got to understand if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is you have an enemy. If you don't believe that, turn to your neighbor and at least tell them that in case they didn't hear from me. Tell them. Say, guess what? You've got an enemy. 
look at verse 25 again. It says this. A man sowed seed in the field, and while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So that when the tares sprung up, the servants were surprised. They were surprised at what was going on. When it sprung up, they were surprised. Notice this. This was interesting. I came across this and started researching a little bit about this. I thought this was fascinating because the culture in which this parable was given, it was against the law in the days of the Roman Empire to sow tares in a good field. Because obviously the tares would choke out good seed. And these tares that we're talking about, there's actually a a word for them, and I'm not going to try to pronounce them, but the word, there was actually a poisonous thing. So when Jesus says that a man has a field, which is the world, and he sows good seed, and while he slept, the enemy comes and sows tares among the wheat and goes his way, you can figure something out. Wherever there's good seed, the enemy's going to come and sow bad seed. Wherever God is and sows good seed, the devil's going to be right behind it, sowing bad seed. All throughout your life, mark it down starting today. Everywhere you sow good seed, the adversary is going to sow seed with it. Mark it down. If you don't hear anything I say the rest of the day, remember that. Everywhere you sow good seed, the enemy is going to come behind you and sow seed on top of it. Because here's the deal. Look at the language in the Greek. When it said he sowed tares among the wheat, the actual Greek idea in this phrase is he sowed tares on top of the wheat and among the wheat. In other words, they were sick, they were thickly sown. He didn't just go around and drop a few here and there. Literally, it means he blanketed the field with tares. He put all that over there in the tares, above the tares, all around the tares. Notice it would be one thing if we could just say, you know what? I can see the devil at work, you know? If someone come up to you, and it, let's be honest, let's just take it a little extreme to help out. If, some, if something happened, you came up to you, and they, they had horns on you, and they said, I just want you to know that I'm the enemy. We'd go, yes, you're the enemy, I got it. But it doesn't happen that way. That's not the way it happens. And notice something unique. It says, go back to verse 25. Let's, let's look at that again so they know I'm not making it up. Matthew 13, 25. But when he slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Okay, so not only did he go around and say, you know what, here's a little bit of trouble. Here's a little bit of trouble. Here, I'll give you trouble on Monday. I'll give you a week off and give you trouble on Tuesday. No, literally it means he sowed tares on top and among. Meaning, baby, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, you're going to deal with tares. And verse 26 says something like this. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares appeared. Keep that up there. Look what it said. He didn't even realize he had tares until things started growing. Do you ever notice that you've got something and all of a sudden good stuff starts sprouting up in your life and you're like, yes, but when the good stuff sprouts up, you go, where did all the bad stuff come from? Because you don't realize when you sowed good, the enemy came behind you and sowed bad. And you didn't even realize that was in your life until you started seeing fruit come. And when the fruit of the good came, guess what started coming up with it? 
He didn't realize, didn't even realize that there was bad seed. Didn't even realize it was bad seed until, until they started growing together. And when they started growing together, the obvious reaction when we see bad things in our life, the obvious reaction is, let's get rid of it. At least, I don't know, for you, that's me. If I see, I see stuff in me, I'm like, I got to get this stuff out. Get it out, get it out, get it out. And that was obvious, the reaction of those men. But then Jesus just absolutely just, my, it was just a mind-boggling statement in this parable. Because we keep reading, they grew it up together. Verse 27. So the servants of the sir asked him, sir, didn't you grow good seed? I mean, I asked that. You ever asked that? Wait a minute. I thought I was doing good. Nobody's ever asked that. No one ever asked that. Wait a minute. I was doing everything I thought I was supposed to be doing. I was giving everything. I was praying. I was seeking God. I was trying to walk with him. Where did the tares come from? You've got an enemy. You've got an enemy. You've got an enemy. Not only is that enemy just trying to peck at you, but that enemy is trying to blanket your life with things. He's blanketing your life with tares. He's blanketing your field. So when you come up and you sow good seed, he'll come up right behind you and sow bad seed. And they looked at him and said, how do we get all these tares? Verse 28. An enemy did this. An enemy did this. It wasn't circumstances. It wasn't stuff that blew in from another field. It was an enemy. It was a deliberate thing of the enemy. To do that. Do you want us? Now you're ready? This is the obvious. Just, just, just makes sense. John, this is the obvious reaction we all would have. The enemy did this. Okay, fine. Do you want us to go and get it, take it out? We'll take care of it. That's obvious, right? We see bad, let's go take care of it. I got junk in my life. I come to gathering on Sunday morning. God, here I am. Get rid of the tears. Take out the tears. I want all the tears gone. I don't want tears in my life. I don't want them. Fine, you tell me that I have tears, then let's get rid of them. And then this is what happens. Verse 29. And he said, No! What? No. Because while you're taking up the bad, you're actually going to uproot the wheat that's with them. And then here's the verse. Ready? Verse 30. Absolutely astounding. Let them both grow together. Let both grow together. I want you just to leave that verse up there for about two minutes and let that burn into our... Wait a minute. You want us to... No, this doesn't make sense. It's the right thing to do. Get this stuff out. No, but he said no. You want us to get rid of it? No. Let them grow together. This leads us to one of the greatest mysteries of life is the fact that the good and the bad are inseparable. In the same place there is good, there's also bad. In the same person that there's great creativity, there's also great destruction. The same fire can warm and can burn. The same water can quench and can drown. Inside today, 
same thing that can propel you to greatness is the same thing that can wreck your world. That fire inside of you that is untethered can lead to a life where you're angry and lead to a vital of violence. But that same fire that's in you when you let God use it can propel you into a greatness where you're able to push past things and become a force for the kingdom of God. So here's the deal. You get rid of the anger. You tear up the wheat. God, I don't want to have this in my life. Take it out. He said, but I can't. Because if I take it out, you're going to lose something. If I take this part out of you, but God, I don't want to live. I'm just, I don't know why we'll just use it. It's a good, it's a good illustration. God, I don't want to be angry anymore. I, I, don't want, I don't want to be angry. Help me get this anger out of me. I don't want to have anger anymore. I don't want to have anger. And so God takes it out of you. Guess what? That same anger that will be your destruction will be your pro- propellant to greatness. How about this one? Say, God, why do I have this tears of pain in my life? God, take the tears of pain away in my life. But to realize if He took the tears of pain away, He'd take away the compassion you have as well. If He took away the pain of all that and removed the tears of pain, you would lose that compassion that you have for others. Not saying that God's grace couldn't work in your life and that God's not a healer. He's absolutely a healer. God's grace is sufficient. But don't Tear out the tears because some tears will destroy the wheat. He said, let them both grow together. Let them both, wait a minute, God, this doesn't make sense. I don't want this answer. I want the other answer. You're a fix-it God. You're a supreme God. You're a God that makes all my needs. Poof, magic, vanish, go away. Let's get moving. And he says, "Uh uh-uh. Let it grow together. I don't want it to grow together. That's the whole point I come to church. Is because I come to church. Because I want you to be my gardener. Get this stuff out. And he looks at me and goes, no, no, you're going to let it grow together. I don't want it to grow together. What part of you don't get about this? And then I've got to go around trying to explain to people that I'm a child of God. And they look and go, but why is so many tears? I'm a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. They go, yeah, but you've got tares. Yes, but what you don't realize is that I've got wheat too. Yeah, you can focus on the tares, but in those tares, baby, I've got some wheat. And I'm going to have to let the tares grow because the wheat is so precious that I'm not willing to damage the wheat to remove the tares. And I got to be honest with you, I've got good news for somebody today. Is that God's not going to fix you. But it's okay. God's not going to come and take the t- Hey, Peter, you got some tears. Hey, you got tears of anger. You've got tears of doubt. You've got tears of being cocky. You've got tears of attitude. Let's get those tears out of you. He said, no, 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 baby. I'm leaving them things in there. Because there was some wheat in Peter. Paul went to G- Paul. Paul got on his knees and said, God, God, take the tears out of me. 
My grace is sufficient. No, no, you didn't get me, God. I, let me make this clear to you. I don't want the tears. My grace is sufficient. What part of my prayer do you not get, God? Get this out of my life! I won't ask you to raise your hand if you got tears because if you don't raise your hand, you're not being honest because we all have tears. And guess what can I tell you? You're going to always have tears. Can I be honest with you? You're always going to be messed up because you got an enemy. Stop trying to wait till you get a field that's nothing but wheat so you can finally say, I've arrived. You've already arrived because God doesn't see a field filled with tares. He says, I don't look at the tares, but I see the wheat. Let them grow together because you know what? I'm going to leave those tares in there because I don't want to mess with the wheat. You know what? He's not going to get rid of all the junk in me. Oh, don't tell I, oh, you don't know what I'm capable of yes but you don't know what wheat's in here either but preacher you don't know how bad of a person I am but no you don't realize the wheat that's inside of you but preacher you don't know all the faults and failures no honey you're missing the point you don't realize the wheat that's in you but you don't know the mistakes I made no you don't realize the wheat that's in you but you don't realize where I've come from no you don't realize the wheat that's in you Wait a minute, but I've got tears. You've got tears, I've got tears, we've got tears, we all have got tears. But we've got wheat inside of us. I've got wheat growing. He says, don't mess with the tears. Let them grow together. Come on, I want somebody just to shout. Shout out your doubt. Shout out the failure. Shout out the mistakes. And just say, let them grow together. Come on, somebody just needs to say that after me. Say, let them grow together. Listen to me, mistake. Let them grow together. Listen to me, anger. Let them grow together. It's... I'm not excusing anything. I'm not saying you got a license to go out and get wacky and quacky and just say, well, I got some tears. It's okay. You know, I'm wacky and quacky, but I've got tears. And the preacher said, I'm okay with my tears. I'm not talking about that. Don't take this and go crazy with it. I'm saying to you that your tears don't bother God. And you think coming to God, he's going to be your gardener because obviously if you come to God, he wants to get rid of tears. And it's a it's a it's it's a it's a, a wake up call. After you come to God, and you come to God, and you know you got tears. When you come to God, you don't doubt you have tears, right? You know you got tears, but you figure I'm coming to God; He'll get rid of them. That's what God does, right? He's an anti-terror. <laughs> God wants to get rid of it. And all of a sudden, I start on my little journey, right? I'm just waiting for the day. One day, all these tears are gone. And all of a sudden, down the road, I look back and go, wait a minute. I've been living for God for 20 years, and i still got all these tears in me. God, what are you doing? He said, just letting them grow together. Whoa, I didn't sign up for this. No, I signed up to be a tear-free person. When I came to you, I I signed up to get tear-free. He said, no, I'm going to let them grow together. 
I'm going to let them go together. Because what's in you is too precious for me to mess with taking that stuff out. Because you know what? I wouldn't be who I was today if it wasn't for some tears. It was those tears, Brother Tino, that brought me to this place. And I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm talking legitly. There were some tears in my life and some moments in my life that brought tears. But I'm standing here today because of tears in my life. You're sitting here today and you're the person you are. Not because of the wheat. You're sitting here because of the tears. And God won't take out those tears because the wheat inside of you is too precious. I'm not saying it's an excuse to do whatever you want. I'm saying to you that we all have tears, and that's okay. Take you to turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? You've got tears, and that's okay. It's okay. Because you know why? I've got tears in my life. You've got tears in your life. But I can sing that song that says, I never would have made it. Never would have made it without you. I was lost without you. But now I see you were there for me and I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm better. So much better. When I look back at all you brought me through, I know that you had held on me and I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm better. So much better. One part of that song says, I would have lost it all. I would have lost it all. But now I see you were there for me. I never would have made it. But you know what? I still got tears even though I made it. I didn't make it through the tear pulling out. I just made it through to realize I've got tears and that's okay because I'm standing here today and I've got wheat. But thankfully, the great news is the parable wasn't over because in verse 30, go back again, he gave us the answer. Let them grow together. But I'm thankful that there was an until moment. There's an until moment. There's an until moment. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face. The one who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand. And leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Let's 
talk about some tears. You ready? There'll be no sorrow there. That's some tears. No more burdens to bear. Some more tears. No more sickness tears. No more pain tears. No more dying over there. Forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. Come on, sing it one more time. What a day that will be tear free when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, he's the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Give me two more seconds. You ready? Whose field was that? It was the master's field. Just because there was tares in his field didn't mean he had lost control. He knew what was in that field. But he left it in that field. Just because you have tares doesn't mean you don't belong to the king. Because the king knew you had some tares. But he said, but there's wheat there too. It's still his field. It still belongs to him. You're still bought with a price. But you've got tares. And that's okay. You see, faith isn't the power to change things to the way you want them. Faith is the courage to faith things as they are. Let's say it again. Faith isn't the power to change things to the way you want them. Faith is the courage to face things as they are. I got tears. You got tears. We all have tears. And that's okay. Because Jesus said, let them grow together. I don't want them to grow together, God. I want to get rid of them. He said, no, no, no. Because if I take those things out, I'm going to damage the wheat. I don't walk around going, you know what? I've got wheat in me. I go around going, God, why are there tears in me? But you know what? Here's the great benefit. You know what? Tears are actually a sign of that you actually have wheat. The tears become a confirmation that there's wheat. Because it wouldn't be a tear if it wasn't wheat. Because if it was a tears, it'd just be a field, field filled with, with junk. But because it's called a tear means that it's got some wheat in that field. So every time, Chris, one of those tears pop up in your life, instead of disqualifying you, you need to put a big smile on your face and say, Aha, that's a sign I got some wheat. When you wake up tomorrow morning and one of those old tears from your yesterday pop back up, instead of saying, Oh man, I've messed up again. There goes my wheat. Say, Aha. I got some wheat. And next day, come along, somebody comes along and says, I know you. 
You got tears. You just need to say, excuse me for a second. Thank you for saying that. I got need a time out for a shout. Because guess what? You just told me. You just said I got tears. But you didn't even realize. You just confirmed that I've got some wheat inside of me. So keep calling tears. Because every time you say tears... I say wheat. Every time you say tares, I know there's wheat. Because Jesus said, he's going to let them grow together. Because I've got a harvest. Stand with me. Let them grow together. Where did all the tares come from? You've got an enemy. Why is there bad? Because we've got an enemy. Guess what? Let them grow together. you got tares? Yep. Plenty of them. i got a long list. <laughs> We got tears, but guess what? Let them grow together. You got tears? Ask your neighbor one more time. One more question. Turn to your neighbor and say, ask him, do you have any tears? And if they say yes, give them a big high five and say, that means you got some wheat too, baby. If they say yes, I got tears and say awesome. Because that means you've got some wheat inside of you. Because they're growing together. Would you clap your hands and give God thanks and praise one more time. For he is good. It's okay, devil. Keep sowing bad because I'm going to keep sowing good. It's okay. Keep letting it come at me because I'm going to keep sowing because I've got wheat in me. And the Bible promised me there's a harvest coming. And on that day the harvest comes, I won't have any more tares. But the wheat that's in me is not going to be messed up just because you have a few tares. Because you've got wheat. There's a lot of wheat in this room today. We got tears. Oh, we got tears. We got some terrors and some tears. <laughs> but that's okay. Because the tears are a sign there's wheat. And instead of trying to get rid of all of our tears, he said, just let them grow together. Let them grow together. I'll take care of them at harvest time. When there's a harvest time, guess what? There's a day I'm going to leave this old fleshly body. I'm going to get a, a, a tear-free Wheat produced body. But until then, I've got tares. But that's okay. That's okay. Clap your hands one more time. Give God thanks. Praise God. Amen. Where did all the tares come from? You've got an enemy, but let them grow together. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Help us, if you could, just for a minute, break down. Have a wonderful holiday. Be safe. Go to small group. Be blessed, Jesus' name.